0: It's time for Dodger Baseball. Three, two. Here it is! The Washington Nationals are world champions for the first time in franchise history. The
1: competition is behind the band. It gets Rob Buckner. Here comes Night and the Mets
2: winning. Welcome to Ducks on the Pond.
1: Presented by Com Radio.
0: Hosted by Logan Barandis with Gabe Banjiri,
2: Zach Lambert.
1: And now the one-one pitch here it is and it swung on a- line to left base hit and the A's have won it.
3: Sespris scores from third. A line drive face hit to left by Stephen Wolf. And the A's have even the series.
0: And Ben Surface. So sit back, bang some trash cans, and enjoy.
2: to another edition of the Ducks in the Pond podcast. I'm your host, Logan Brandison. As always, I'm joined alongside Ben Surface, Gabe Angieri, and Zach Lambert. So we have a lot to talk about as usual on today's podcast, and we're going to start out once again with the MLB commissioner himself, Rob Manfred. Last week, we we, we, we dug pretty deep into the man Rob Manfred and the mistakes that he's made when it comes to bringing back baseball with the hopes of that coming back, we thought it couldn't get much much worse when it came to him. Well, it got even more worse. In the span of four days, he went from going saying, I'm 100% sure that the MLB will return this season to right after the draft in their um, ESPN special with all the owners of every league saying that I am not sure anymore about a return from the MLB. So you have Manfred completely changing his mind on The league restarting you had six to eight owners saying today that they want the league to just skip the season in general that came out today what is happening
1: with rob manfred right now rob manfred continues to prove why he is the worst commissioner in all of sports remember a few years back when everyone hated roger goodell can't get worse than him oh it can get a lot worse than roger goodell rob manfred is a joke how can you go from saying there will one hundred percent be an MLB season? What was it? Four days later? Five days later? Be like, oh, I'm not so sure anymore. I mean, come on, it's like it's it's really comical at this point. We come on every week. We're like, what a what a bad look for baseball. What a bad look for baseball. Like we feel, we sound like a broken record, but what a bad look for baseball. What a bad look for major for major league baseball. Yeah. I mean. It's it's for a broken record. It happens the same thing every week. He, they give us no reason to praise them whatsoever. Rob Manfred continues to that he's a ab, absolute clown. And it's just going downhill. And honestly, I'm not optimistic about an M L B season either right now, so Manfred might be right, finally. I'm just it's baffling how this guy can in a four day stretch, his opinion can change that much. It's it's a joke. Yeah. He is.
3: He's nothing but a joke. And I love how, you know, last night he's on ESPN in the round table and you got all the commissioners and, you know, you got Cadell saying, we should start on time. We won't miss a beat. NBA coming back. NHL's coming back. Then there's Rod Manfred. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. You know, I mean, and I understand he works for the owners. And if the owners say they don't want to have a season, his job is to represent them. He was chosen by them. He's being paid by them. That being said, his job is to bring fans into the sport. His job is to make this game money. And he has done nothing but drive fans away from the sport. He's driving players away from the sport. And you saw the, the uh, slew of tweets from Trevor Bauer yesterday, basically. I don't know if you want to say outing, but kind of breaking down for the common fan of what he perceives Rob Manfred is doing. And to me, he says he's not confident in baseball season, but I, I agree with Bauer and I think it is a stall tactic. I think there's still going to be a season, but I think Major League Baseball is doing anything in their power to try and save them extra money. you got the expanded playoffs, which is just another way for them to make more money uh, because that's where all the money is in the playoff TV deals. Um, so I think it's don't have to pay them as much because they won't pay them for the 76 games or whatever it is. Get more playoff games, that's even more money there. The whole thing's money driven, and Rob Manfred's not doing a very good job at covering
1: it up.
0: Yeah, the whole thing is completely money driven because. You think about it, these owners they wanna stall this as long as possible because they are they're looking at the pro rated salaries. If they're the players are not gonna budge off these pro rated salaries one hundred percent. So the owners are like, Alright, then let's just play as few games as possible. So they're just pushing this back and back and back. And what's gonna happen is it's gonna be a fifty game season. It's gonna be a joke of an MLB season, and the playoffs are gonna be determined essentially on a spring training type of schedule. So You're looking at the owners wanting that, and then they're going to make this money off of the extended postseason because, like you said, Ben, that's where the money is, the TV deals. So the owners are looking really bad here, but, you know, it's not just one-sided either. The players are making the owners look awful, and I don't think it's entirely fair. They keep saying, tell us when and where, tell us when and where, but they're not willing to make concessions either. They're not willing to budge from this 100% prorated salary. They're like, well, we've agreed upon it previously, but that agreement was under the understanding that there would be fans at these games, which I don't know why the owners would have agreed to that in the first place. I think everybody knew there would be no fans, but the fact of the matter is the players, if they are want to play as bad as they say they do and as bad as they're making it seem like they do, they have to make some kind of a concession. They have to think that, you know, we got to do something, maybe take a little bit less pay. Because right now this tell us when and where is making the owners look awful and making baseball look awful as well.
2: I'm yeah. Trying. And that was probably the biggest thing on social media of guys like uh, Max Scherzer, Anthony Rizzo, just basically trying to say, let's the, pl- let the players play. Just tell us when and where we'll be ready. And the guy that has all the power to just say, when and where we can play is Rob Manfred, and he is doing an awful job with the negotiations to the point where the MLB, the MLBPA basically said, we're done with this back and forth. We're done with uh, these owners just completely changing offers left and right, day, uh, day in and day out. And they're not even offers that the MLBPA likes in the first place. So Rob Manfred completely botched his chance to be the first, the first sport to uh, come back into the fold here with this virus still going on. You have basketball still doing a great job, football doing a great job, hockey doing a great job, as we saw on the ESPN broadcast, all the owners, Rob Manfred just looked completely clueless. And this this comes days after um, the MLB draft, where he was confident that there'd be a season. And the the draft, I thought, went pretty well. I thought um, it was well put together um, with the circumstances. But this has been a terrible job, terrible
1: showing throughout this past week by Rob Manfred. Yeah, the, M- the Players Association released a statement yesterday The Executive Director Tony Clark. They're absolutely disgusted with Manfred. The statement reads, players are disgusted that after Rob Manfred unequivocally told players and fans that they were 100% a 2020 season, he has decided to go back on his word and is now threatening to cancel the entire season. Any implication that the Players Association has somehow delayed progress on health and safety protocols is completely false. Blah, 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 on and on and on. So, yeah, the players are saying exactly what we're saying, that how Manfred can say there's 100% 100 going to be a season is now saying that's not the case. Yeah, and and
0: you you, like we thought Manfred and baseball looked bad to begin with, but then this, you cannot get worse than how they look right now. You cannot get worse than saying there's 100% going to be a season – And then just days later being like, well, yeah, actually, maybe not. Who knows? I don't even know. It's a horrible look. It makes him look like a liar. It makes him look like he has absolutely no control over what's going on, which, honestly, both of those things are kind of true. I don't trust Rob Manfred. I don't trust the owners. I don't trust anybody in baseball right now. That goes for the players, too. I don't trust anybody. Baseball is so messed up right now that it's driving casual fans away. It's making passionate fans mad like everybody is just so fed up with baseball right now and i've said it before i'll say it again they need to get it together and fast because other sports are coming back and people are not going to put up with baseball's crap for too long
3: we should be watching spring training baseball right now and baseball should be gearing up for a fourth of july opening weekend and it's ridiculous that now it's being pushed back to the you know close to the end of july you know and that money has become uh, such a big factor in this. Like, I know money is important, and that's why these owners are in the business. That's why they have Rob Manfred to build sport to bring him money. But he's doing the absolute opposite of everything that his job entails.
0: Yeah, but it's just that. It's what you said. It's a business. You're not always going to profit on a business. Sometimes you're going to lose money. And the owners don't seem to let that get through their head.
3: Well, what it was the stat I saw the other day? The Marlins, you know, they – Obviously they attract no fans. Nobody in Miami goes to those games. And I think I saw, you know, they sold off, you know, the franchise for a billion dollars to whoever to Jeter and whoever else bought it, who was a part of that deal. But, you know, like that's a franchise that doesn't really rely on, on uh, ticket sales. They are able to sell that, uh, that team off for a billion dollars. And, you know, teams now are complaining about they can't even pay, pay their players you know, prorated salaries, and they're still going to be making a boatload of money in TV deals. And now any team can make the playoffs, essentially, because of the fifty-game season that they're proposing.
0: Yeah, the whole thing is just an absolute mess. It's just a mess, and and you know, it's it it can't go on. It really can't. It needs to. They need to come to a con- a resolution soon.
3: It seems like they think like all the fans are stupid. Like you can't see through what they're telling you. Like it's not blatantly obvious to every fan that the owners are just trying to save money, that they're actually trying to do something for the better of baseball or like cutting deals for lesser paid players and, and punishing the higher paid ones. They're not playing Robin Hood here. They're just being cheap so they
2: can save more money in their own pockets.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: All right, before we move on to our next segment, I just want to go around the room here. What is your percentage of chance that the MLB season actually comes back from zero to 100?
0: Honestly, right now, I feel like it's 50-50. And I, last week, I would probably said like 80-20, but I'd say 50-50 right now.
3: I I got 75-25. I think this is a bluff. I I mean, I wouldn't be shocked necessarily, but I'm still relatively confident that they'll have some sort of season.
1: I mean, I'm not optimistic at all right now, but I guess I'll put it at 50 Zach, because, again, like Ben said, it could be a bluff, but... But the way things are looking right now, it's not looking promising whatsoever. And the way they've handled this so far and the way how Manfred, the owners, the players, just haven't been able to do anything, I really wouldn't be surprised if there's not a season. So I'll put it at 50-50.
2: I'm going to go a little bit lower here. I'm going to go 40-60 in favor of the season not resuming. Just because if, if Rob Manfred wanted the season to start right now, he would have done something about the contracts. He he would break the silence. He wouldn't say that there would be a season. He'd get, the, he'd get the deal done with the MLBPA. He would just be sitting there and just kind of waiting on his options right
0: now.
1: But that's just my opinion on it. Yeah, I, I, it. It can go any way right now. I'm not... They really can't. There's no really – there's nothing, like, that's convincing that's that's saying, like, oh, wow, the season's going to happen. There's nothing that's convincing me to say that, which is why I just can't put it above 50-50 right now. All
2: right. So if the season would be suspended, this would be the first time since 1994, which um, lost a lot of fans once the league actually came back. And they didn't really gain a lot of those fans back until a very popular, very famous home run chase – Back in 19, uh, 1998, between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, which was a featured ESPN 30 for 30 doc, Long Gone Summer, which took which um, aired last week on Sunday. Both both of those guys broke Roger Maris's longtime record of 61 home runs. If you didn't see the doc, it just basically went into that '98 season where the MLB was at the time, which was trying to regain fans after the '94 strike. A lot of those people left. Because of the uncertainty around the MLB, which is something we're seeing right now, and then Mark McGuire comes and he hits seventy home run, seventy home runs. Sammy Sosa hit sixty eight. Just how much fun that season was. That was kind of what the documentary was. They went into the aftermath of the uh, steroid era, what that meant, for, what what that meant for that season, what how that kind of placed an asterisk on the events that happened during that season. But if you haven't seen the doc, I suggest check it out. It was a pretty it was a pretty interesting watch. But this brought up some questions about the steroid era in general. Guys like McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds who were in that era, who put up the stats that they did, are they Hall of Fame worthy even though they
0: took steroids? Well, my take on this is this. If you take steroids you do not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame because you cheated. Your memorabilia can go in. Like, all the bats that hit the record-breaking home runs, the balls, the cleats. That, I'm okay with having in there. Because you can't deny that those numbers, those things happened. But I don't think that they should be recognized amongst the greats because they cheated. They cheated. And I don't think... It's fair to the people who did it right, who are in there because they worked hard, because they are one of the greats without cheating. I don't think it's fair to them to put people in who cheated. Now, like I said, put their stuff in. Because you cannot just black out this time from baseball history. You cannot just say it didn't happen. You can't say Barry Bonds doesn't have the most home runs all time. And you can't go to a museum that highlights all these records and stuff about baseball and just not have that there. But what you can not have is Barry Bonds. And when someone asks, well, why isn't he here? Why is all his stuff here, but he isn't, it's because he cheated.
3: Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. They cheapened all these records. I mean, I'm sure guys were taking some performance-enhancing substances way before them or guys who just weren't outed like they were but you got Bonds and Sosa and McGuire and Seiko, all those guys just smashing home run records and power numbers. But they did it at the expense of guys like Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron, who, to our knowledge, did it the right way. You know, they did it the old fashioned way by hard work. And then you got guys guy to, you know, put a little something extra in their body and they're able to hit another twenty-five. Thirty. I don't know how many, but you can tack on a significant number of home runs to those totals. And I completely agree that they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because they cheated. They weren't the best because they needed these steroids to put up the numbers that they did. Um, so I completely agree. I no Hall for any of those steroid
1: guys. For a long time, I agree. I would agree with that. And for the majority, I do, which is where my I kind of contradict myself because I feel like Barry Barry Bonds is such an exception because what he did before steroids. If he would have retired, because his early steroid use is traced back to 1998. If he would have retired before the first time he took steroids, he would be in the Hall of Fame. Three MVPs. He hit 35-plus home runs consistently, 100-plus RBIs consistently, batted over 300, 450 on base, all those great numbers. It's just, I get the fact that he cheated, and that does take something away from me, even though he did it afterwards. But he was such a great player before steroids, I, I think he's an ex- an exception but again i don't, that would never happen because if you put bonds in you have to put them all in because they, he took steroids it's the, at the end of the day he took steroids at some point in his career and that helped him break the whole time home run record and all these other records it's just such a, it's just such a shame that he did that because he was such a great player he was on the he was, was, was going to be all famer before that but then you he's think famous. about it too that now forever in the home run
3: record book you'll have barry bonds ahead of guys like hank aaron Babe Ruth, and you got Bonds, a guy who didn't deserve to be there because he cheated.
0: But you have
2: to take a look at that the only reason, uh, presumably, presumably, that Barry Bonds took steroids was because in the season where Sosa and McGuire went off in this home run chase, Barry Bonds, he had a great season. He only had 31 home runs that year. He didn't like that. He was one of the best players in the league, and he had guys that took these steroids, were putting up better numbers than he was and he and they didn't deserve it so he he i think he just wanted to kind of show them who was number one and he went on these amazing home run streaks after the 98 home run chase but when it comes to other guys like Maguire and sosa the impact they had on the game even though they took steroids it was massive because they the fans they brought back who left during that 94 strike it impacted the fan base that we know today I know that Sammy Sosa, he said in the doc that he doesn't regret doing what he did. I'm, I think McGuire said the same thing as well. So would would they be put in the hall? I'd say not. But I think there are specific cases, like Gabe said, uh, especially Barry Bonds, who should be considered to be put in. But that does bring up the fact that if you put a guy like Barry Bonds in, you have to consider McGuire, Sosa, Canseco, all these other guys who did the exact same thing.
0: I don't, I don't, think, I don't even think Barry Bonds should be. I think once you take steroids you forfeit your ability to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, A-Rod, anybody, anybody who takes steroids, ever. You take steroids, you are no longer a Hall of Fame eligible player. Like, if Pete Rose is not going to get in the Hall of Fame, then somebody who cheated does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And you mentioned, like, well, he only, Logan, you mentioned, he possibly could have done it because, you know, Sosa and Maguire were doing it. But I still don't think... Like, that makes it right. If anything, that makes it, like, worse. That he was like, okay, well, they're doing it, so now it makes it okay for me. If he would have just stayed true to himself, he would be heralded as probably one of the greats. But he didn't, and now we look at him with a huge asterisk next to his name.
3: It was against the law, too. Like, it was... you. It was illegal to take steroids in the United States at the time. It wasn't just outlawed by Major League Baseball. Like, you literally weren't allowed to be using these substances that these athletes were doing anyway. That's why you saw guys like Roger Clemens, Mark McGuire, in federal
1: court. It's just such a shame that he did it, though, because I know. I gr- I agree that once you take steroids, there's an aster- asterisk next to your name. But just the Hall of Fame track that Barry Bonds was on, even bef- before steroids, if you cut off the entire second half of his career, after 1998, he's a Hall of Famer that first half of his career. He just is. And I feel like he's – you can't take away his greatness either just because he took steroids. I, I agree with mostly every player that took steroids. that You, can, you can't you can consider them for the Hall of Fame. And I know that Barry Bonds will never be the only person with steroids to be inducted. That will never happen. It's either no one or everyone. I know it's how – so he'll probably never get in. I think it's like his eighth or ninth year on the ballot – the whole thing. He's still not even close, so he's not going to yeah. get in.
0: His percentages, they they, pretty, they stay pretty stagnant year to year. Yeah,
1: he, He's not going to... Him and Clemens are going to fall off the ballot. If, um,
0: if they get so. in, it's going to be on their last year. Like That's when most most borderline and, guys get in is their last year.
1: They're going to need a miracle, too, because they're far off. I think they're like 15 percentage points off. Or 15, yeah. Between 15 they and 20. They dropped this year. Yeah, they did. The fact that you're dropping that late, like, it's, it's not going to happen. It's just... I agree with the records, like, the home run record that Bonds broke. Like, that's – steroids helped him do that. Like, that's not debatable. So that's a real shame. But I don't know. It's just – The fact that he did it just – It just pisses me off because he was such a – He was already a superstar player. this just- thing is,
3: like, they had this whole doc about essentially how this home run chase brought fans back to the sport of baseball. And it was making people who don't normally watch baseball watch baseball because they were chasing this Roger Maris single season record. But people who don't know, who aren't big time baseball fans, don't know about Roger Maris. So, like last season, we had all time highs in home runs. You had a rookie in Pete Alonso, club fifty some home runs, and you had guys like Cody Bellinger, Christian Yelich, Mike Trout hit forty plus home runs, fifty plus. So why aren't more fans being attracted to baseball now? Like, is the Roger Maris single-season record that big of a deal? Because the, the the average sports fan doesn't know about Roger Maris. He's not like some – he's no Babe Ruth, you know? I think
2: back then it was considered a big deal just because 61 home runs, That's a, back then in 1998, that was considered a huge number to um, get in terms of home runs. We hadn't really seen a lot of power hitters come close to that. Mark McGuire, I think, was the – guy who was expected to break that when he went from the A's to the cardinals there are guys like ken griffey jr who's expected to break that at some point in his career no one expected sammy sosa to um come close to it that that we learned in the doc but back then it was just a big enough deal that everyone in baseball and really all sports thought that was going to be an unbreakable record so that just that 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 was made that summer like a big deal and ever since then we've seen multiple guys crushed that record. Barry Bonds crushed it. you see, numerous rookies get 50-plus home runs a season. It's be, it's just become more and more expected every single year.
0: Yeah, I think home runs are just more commonplace now than they were. And that's, that's probably why, you know, people don't care as much because you see so many people hitting these huge home run totals that, you know, you don't really bat an eye at it anymore. You're like, oh, he hit 40 home runs. That's a good season. Whereas, you know, back then you hit 40 home runs. It was like, whoa, he hit 40 home runs. So, chasing that 60, and, like, se- could you imagine if somebody had 70 home runs in a season this year, though? Like, well, obviously oh, yeah. not this year. Like, if someone did it this year, that would be absolutely nuts. But, like, any other year, somebody hits 70 home runs, like, people are going to be turning heads. So, I think it, it had, in part, to do with, like, what um the standard was back then, but also the huge numbers. Like, Sammy Sosa hit 20 home runs in June. 20 home runs in one month.
1: Half of that is good.
0: Yeah, nuts. But, you know, I just, regardless of how great that season was or, or how great any of those players were, they're now Hall of Famers. Like, Mike Trout could take steroids right now, now Hall of Famer, in my opinion. I think it's a
1: little off topic, but one thing I want to bring up is the 1998 season. I think the fact that McGuire hit 70 home runs and didn't win MVP is just hilarious. I don't, I don't know. Sosa wound up winning MVP even though McGuire hit 70 home runs. And maybe rightfully so. Sosa's batting average was higher, more RBIs. I just think that's crazy how you can hit 70 home runs in a season and not win MVP. I don't know. I, and, thought, that was, I thought that was kind of funny.
2: And Sosa also made the playoffs that year. McGuire didn't. Good, so it's kind of a weird year for McGuire. But um, 70 home runs always going to be a great season. But um, just before we move on, back to uh, Barry Bonds and his case for the Hall of Fame. It's a shame that he did take steroids just because uh, prior to 1998, Barry Bonds was the prototypical five-tool player. He was an amazing, he was an amazing fielder. He won numerous gold gloves out in the field. He st- He could steal bases. He hit for high average. He had amazing power. And then when he did take steroids, he took those five tools that he had he just turned it into one huge, massive power tool, and hit seventy
1: home runs, kind of on the regular. It's, it's, uh, yes. it's, it's crazy. Barry, it's
0: Bonds, Barry Bonds. would get intentionally walked with the bases loaded.
1: That was that's insane. Imagine that! Imagine getting intentionally walked with the bases loaded. Like, just oh, we're just giving up
0: a run. We're gonna give you one run because we're confident that you're just gonna get four if we don't give you one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Bonds is all time leader in uh, intentional walks. Six- in 2004, he was intentionally walked 120 times. 120 times, he's intentionally walked. That that's is- nope. that's absurd. No one's ever getting that respect again. No. But going back to the Hall of Fame for Bonds again, on his eighth year of eligibility this past year, he had 60.7% of the vote. You need 75% to get in. So with two more two years left on the ballot, he has to jump up 15%. Um, I, the
3: only thing that could help him, I think, in voting is that I might be wrong, but there's no one on the ballot this year, is there? Yeah, yeah this, ballot is a, this is a really good class. Bad. It's, a, it's a weak one. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, I mean, now if you see no growth, then, you know, that's it. <laughs> if yeah. there's a
2: year to get it, it's this year. Yeah, yeah it is.
0: Yeah, but these writers are – these writers – you, you never know what these voters are going to do, man. If Jeter doesn't get a hundred percent, I I don't like I don't think Jeter was the greatest ever. But if you ask somebody, is Derek Jeter a Hall of Famer? Like, what are they gonna say? Yes. How how can you say no? But he didn't get a hundred percent. Like, I know it was just one oh, vote yeah. off, but still. Like,
1: it's so stupid. It was like Ken Griffey Jr. should have gotten a hundred percent of the vote, and he's he, too much hype in the unanimous. Yeah, if, if, but my thing was like Jeter obviously deserves. yet. Yeah. The Hall of Fame, one hundred percent. He's like you said, Zach. If you ask someone, is Derek Jeter Hall of Famer? Yes, obviously. But the fact that Ken Griffey Jr. did not get one hundred percent of the vote just it just pisses me off. Because like, how does Ken Griffey Jr. not get one hundred percent of the vote? One hundred percent of the vote is that not ridiculous? Yeah. Back to
3: back to Bonds. Another thing that hurts him is that he was a jerk to a lot of these sports writers. Mm-hmm. So I mean, when you're voting for a guy to be in the Hall of Fame, who's already got a kind of a shaky past, you know, people aren't going to be, you know, jumping up and down to vote for a guy who was blowing him off and, you know, being rude to him whenever they were trying to ask a question.
0: Good point.
2: All right, uh, going on to our final segment of this week's episode. No Mount Rushmore. We'll probably bring bring that back within the next couple of weeks. But a story that came came out out of the NBA quite recently. He's been in the news a lot uh, throughout his career, but Kyrie Irving makes his return to the news. He spoke out for first not wanting to return to the NBA's plan to play in Orlando with the Brooklyn Nets, just because out of concerns that he would be boxed out of the rest of the the, uh, country with what's going on around with the uh, racial protesting. He, he felt that he wanted to be a part of that. That's what was thought of to be the reason why he didn't want to go to play in Orlando, But now, right before we started filming today, Kyrie Irving said in a group text with a bunch of his Brooklyn Nets teammates that he wants to start his own basketball league. A complete twist of, uh, a uh, a a complete turnaround for any athlete, for Kyrie Irving it's somewhat expected, but to start your own league in a conversation between probably like 10 players, that's just a little bit bizarre even for a guy like Kyrie Irving.
0: Kyrie's got, he's got a couple screws loose, man. Like, he's not all together up there. There's, there's some, dude, like, what is, what is his issue? Kyrie is a great hooper, but when it comes to, like, thinking logically, he is just not there. He's just not there. He's a flat earther, too. I know. He
1: is. Like, I don't understand, like, if you, if you don't want to play because of, the whole Rachel protest, you don't want to take attention away from that. Okay, I get it, but starting your own league instead, what? Well even it doesn't the, make
3: sense. The idea of taking attention, not wanting to play because you're taking attention away from the protest, doesn't make any sense to me because they're talking about the NBA starting, you know, weeks down the line, like a month or so away. It's unrealistic to think that these protests will still be going on in the same magnitude that they are now. I mean, I, movement, great message, great. But it's just unrealistic to think a protest can carry on for that long, months down the line. Um, but then when you think about what what he could do with that platform in the NBA, being a league that is do, predominantly african American. You can reach so many people. You'd have the national stage. Every single American would be watching the NBA, whether they're basketball fans or not. And you could, you could send so many positive messages to help this movement by playing in the NBA. It doesn't make any sense. I feel like not playing basketball could essentially hurt this movement. It definitely, I don't think playing basketball would hurt it.
0: If you want to protest, what better... Way to protest in front of absolutely everybody, in front of millions of people. What if you want to give money to the cause? What better way to give money than to make millions of dollars and give it? Like Ed Davis said, we should play because we're gonna make money and then we can give that money to the cause. Like I am all for these protests. I think it's great. And Ben, like you said, I I just when I heard this, I was like, I don't I don't really agree with this. And I thought, you know, maybe. Maybe I just don't understand, because I, I'm i white. I've never been subject to oppression. I've never had to deal with anything that these black players have had to deal with, that black people across America have had to deal with. But then I saw that Stephen A. Smith was like, Kyrie, what the hell are you talking about? And I was like, okay, this is just a logic thing. This is just Kyrie being Kyrie. And I, Dwight, Dwight Howard is on board with it too. But bringing back basketball is not going to take away From the focus, like, they could protest. I'm all for protesting any way possible. You know, as long as it's peaceful, they could protest before games, after games. Absolutely. They could do what they want, get the message across to even more people, donate money. And he said he didn't want to play until there's change. It's unrealistic to think that there's going to be change immediately. There's not going to be change for years. There needs to be change, yes. But it's gonna be slow and gradual. And this so, would help the change. This would how, help. How long does Kyrie expect to sit out for? There, you can't just stop basketball. Apparently, he doesn't want to. Apparently, he just wants to make his only. So I don't know. I don't know anything.
1: The, the thing that I don't get is, like, I I pretty much agree with you guys. Like, but let's say even he doesn't want to play because he thinks it's taking the attention away from the protest. Okay, let, let's just go with that for a minute. That's that's fine. But let, let's just go with that. But then why would you start your own basketball league? Wouldn't that take the attention away from it? Like not, am I, not I wrong. I'd not only would you me not me be me making money playing basketball,
2: you'd just be taking away from the message by starting your own league. It doesn't make much sense to me. You would have entire
3: teams protesting. It wouldn't or not I shouldn't say protesting, representing this movement, whether it be kneeling, locking arms, whatever it is. You would have entire teams. It wouldn't just be a few players. You would have everyone in that arena. I mean, it is no fans, but you would have every team personnel kneeling and representing this movement. It wouldn't be like, this is just swept under the rug and forgotten. If anything, I think this might bring awareness to even more people you know, who, like you were saying, Zach, are, are white and, you know, aren't as educated about this because they never had to deal with it. This is a perfect opportunity because every TV, every mobile device will be glued
0: to the NBA. Yeah, and imagine, like, an interview, a post game interview, you could talk about it. You There are so many ways to get this message across through basketball. And this might help with the violence, too. People need an outlet. People are used to being able to, like, relax at the end of the day and and watch sports. Now sports are gone. The world is not the same world that it used to be. The norm the normalcy is not there. So to bring back some of the normalcy and I get it. You don't want to bring back all of the normalcy because with that comes complacency and we don't want complacency right now. We want change. But to bring back some of the normalcy to help ease people's minds, to help mental health because you know, people are struggling with mental health right now. It's very it's a very hard time for a lot of people to bring sports back, would help with mental health. There's, I don't see a negative in the NBA coming back. And I don't know where Kyrie is getting this negative from. I, I just, There's so many opportunities to continue this message, to grow this message. It's not going to shut it down. I feel like bringing basketball back grows it. If anything, I feel like it helps it. Am I wrong? I mean... For, for an
2: outspoken player like Kyrie Irving, going to Orlando and being able to kind of share your message, I, I think that he would be the biggest impact to that message, to the Black Lives Matter message, if he was there.
0: If all these players are quarantined together, too, why can't they come up and do something together? Imagine how powerful that would be. You see, just, you see all 22 NBA teams together. Think about that.
1: It, uh, it, uh, I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. I'm, I'm kind of speechless. I, I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense to me what he's thinking. Like the whole starting zone league thing is just really throwing me off. I, like the, the just right there, just, just no, no. <laughs> just, nothing else to say, no.
0: But but think about this though. There's a there's a snitch in that group chat though, because it's apparently it was only with Nets players. So who's the snitch? Kevin Durant. Yeah, got It has to be KD. It
2: had to come out somehow.
0: Yeah. How KD. how did that get leaked? There's gotta be a snitch in there. Be Kyrie
1: probably leaked it himself. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be surprised with Spencer Dinwiddie. The guy throws me the wrong way. Always always should throw in shade at the Knicks. That guy. It's just Spencer Dinwiddie. Nah, probably KD. But no, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie leaked it himself because you know.
0: You know Spencer. what? You know what it is. Woj. Woj probably. Has a secret number, and disguises as one of the players. And Woj is actually in that group chat.
1: Woj is a god.
0: It's got to be. That, that's got. That's got to be it. It's Woj. Woj, woj, woj is actually in that group chat.
1: Woj. Bob. woj plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Actually. <laughs> he plays for the Brooklyn Nets. He's just on the bench every
2: night all right with that that is going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the ducks in the pond podcast for Gabe Jerry, Zach Lambert, and Ben Surface. I'm Logan and Have a great day.